Welcome back. Welcome back to CTC. I'm sorry, man. I'm a little delayed. I'm a little delayed. I thought I uh, had my notes ready. I ain't have them ready. But welcome back to CTC as I get my notes ready. I know y'all wondering, like, dang, Carl is, he's live late tonight. Yeah, Ravens played at 930. Had to, had to watch my boys this morning at 930. Get a dub in London. 24-16 against the Titans, moving on to 4-2 and two and first in the division. But this ain't the show you hear that from. This is a college football, college basketball show. And that's what I came to deliver, y'all. Um, so, so let's get right into it. Before we, Well, actually, before we get into it, I would like to ask you to leave a like, comment, or subscribe um, if you like the content on this show or on this network. Now, with this network, we do have five other, no, five shows in total. We have my show, CTC. We have the main show featuring Tomo, Dave, and Joe. Why do I keep blanking on Joe's name? Tomo, Dave, and Joe. We have BWT, Baseball with Teddy, where, you know, we got the, the uh, AOCS tonight, um, the conference finals. My Rangers, not my favorite team, but the team I picked to win it all, versus the Astros. Um, you got you got um, FFC Fantasy Football with Coach Coombs. Um, and then you got the Joe Jordan Show. So if you like any of the content on those uh, shows, please leave a like, comment, subscribe. Go down the rabbit hole and enjoy yourself. Listen to watch a couple videos, see if you like some of them. You know what I'm saying? Try to tune in. Now, I normally do poll talk on Monday or Wednesdays, but because I'm filming so late, the polls already came out. We can do poll talk right now. Um, so with poll talk, nothing changes in the top four. Georgia stays at one, Michigan stays at two, Ohio State stays at three, and Florida State stays at four. Um, now, I know a Penn State fan who's pissed because Washington jumps up from seven to five, leapfrogging Penn State. Um, Oklahoma jumps up, I mean, drops from five to six, and Penn State is now at seven. Now, do I disagree with that? Not really. Um, Washington has the best win of the three with their win against Oregon. Now, Oklahoma, well, no, I take that back. Oklahoma actually has the best win of the three, beating number three at the time. Texas was now only ranked eight, so still best win of the three. But Washington has looked way better. Washington didn't struggle with Cincy like Oklahoma did. Washington didn't struggle with SMU like Oklahoma did. So I know you're saying, Carl, Washington didn't play them teams. But what I'm saying is when they played teams, they dominated. Now, Penn State has the worst win of all three. Now, West Virginia is not a bad win, but it's not better than ranked now nine, Oregon at the time eight. And it's not better than ranked now eight at the time three, Texas. So Penn State falling to seven, not mad at. Uh, Texas, eight, not mad there. Um, they're probably the best one lost team at, uh, right now. Oregon, nine, not mad at that. Lost to a great Washington team. Ten, North Carolina. Not mad at that. Um, 11, Bama. No gripes. 12, Oregon State. 13, Ole Miss coming off a bye. Ain't no Penn State hater, Ty. You can't push that narrative over here. It just makes sense. You can't argue the logic. Uh, 14, Utah. 15, Notre Dame. I feel like mm, that's cool. They did beat Duke, who's at 16, so not mad there. 17, Tennessee. Not mad there. They did struggle with uh, Texas A&M at home. Um, 18 SC, I think LSU honestly should have leapfrogged them. And Mizzou should have leapfrogged them. SC's been playing with fire the last three weeks. 
They played with fire against Colorado. They played with fire against Arizona State. Took that to like three overtimes, and they got blown out by Notre Dame. I understand LSU has two losses, one being to now rank four Florida State and one being to Ole Miss on a last-second touchdown. Um, LSU did have the ball and didn't score late, but um, I feel like LSU right now is the better team. They're the more hotter team offensively. Defensively, they're probably slightly better than SC. Both defenses aren't great. Um, and Mizzou, 6-1, and one, they're a great football team. I was completely wrong about Mizzou. They're now at 20. Louisville dropped seven spots to 21. Air Force, welcome Air Force, still undefeated, beating Wyoming, is at 22. Shot out to the Mountain West. 23 is Tulane back in the top 25 after beating Memphis. Iowa, like I said in the chats, jumps at 24. They are now ranked. UCLA is now down to 25. I would have liked to see James Madison at 25. James Madison undefeated. James Madison just handled somebody again at the top of the Sun Belt, has beaten Troy undefeated. I would have loved to see James Madison get some love and get ranked at top 25. Now, another team, some, I'm going to read some teams that received votes as per ESPN. You had, well, like I said, James Madison, who I personally would have liked at 25, get two losses, UCLA out of here. Um, Clemson got some votes again at two losses. Florida has some uh, votes. I don't know about that. Washington State, no, get them out of here. Two terrible weeks in back-to-back. Fresno State, not mad there. Liberty, not mad there. Wyoming blew it after losing to Air Force. Kentucky, no. Kansas, no. Miami, shouldn't have been there in the first place. West Virginia, no, you just lost off a crazy Hail Mary. We'll get into that. And Oklahoma State, maybe. They have been playing some good football lately. But those are teams that got votes. Again, my only gripe really is I think LSU should be up above SC and James Madison should be ranked instead of UCLA. But that's it for poll talk. Again, as always, if you have any disagreements, you know, if you agree, you just want to comment, you're going to be like Ty, call me a hater. Um, feel free to leave a comment at the end of the video. Just feel free. Now, moving on, we have to go into our recaps. And I recap Tuesday games on Wednesday. So we're going to be starting from Wednesday all the way to the games on Saturday. Um, So with our first recap, we have UTEP at FIU. I did pick FIU to win this game. Unfortunately, they did not. UTEP came out hot and all it took was them to have a hot first half. And FIU just could not match for the rest of the game. Final score, UTEP 27, FIU 14. UTEP gets its second win, I believe, on the road. At FIU, even though FIU was in the clean Miami Vice jerseys. Um, UTEP, Kelly Akari had an amazing game. You might hear that name later at the end of the show. UTEP gets the ball first and scores a one-yard Deion Hangers touchdown run after driving down the field. Then FIU does nothing. UTEP gets the ball back. 80-yard bomb to Kelly Akari. Touchdown. FIU then gets a turnover on downs on fourth and two. Keon Jenkins, three-yard loss, or Keewan Jenkins. Um, leads to a 23-yard Kelly Akari touchdown catch set up by 50-yard Jeremiah Ballard reception. Um, with 6-10 left in the second quarter, FIU scores an 11-yard Keon Owens touchdown run. UTEP answers with a 37-yard field goal set up by Torrance Burgess that entire drive for the most part. Um, FIU to start the second half scores a one-yard Keon Johnson, uh, Jenkins, excuse me, touchdown run. And I thought, okay. First half, starting out rocky. Second half, we're going to get it together. Not quite. So after the touchdown run, FIU recovers the onside kick. 
but then have a turnover on down on fourth and seven due to a three-yard Kiwan Jenkins, excuse me, run short turnover on downs leads to a UTEP punt. However, the UTEP gets the ball back, misses a 33-yard field goal, but FIU again punts the ball. FIU Kiwan Jenkins throws a pick, and it leads to a 20-yard field goal. And then Kiwan Jenkins again gets sacked, fumbles, leads to a UTEP 42-yard field goal, missed. Then FIU gets the ball back, and Hayden Carlson, Carlson on fourth and sixth throws an incomplete pass. UTEP needs the ball out. UTEP wins the game. Like I said, an explosive first half. Didn't really do much. Really an explosive first quarter. Didn't really do much after that, but that's all it took. First three drives, scored touchdown, 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 21 points. FIU got punched in the mouth, did not recover. Um, and, yeah, Kelly Akari, an amazing game. Uh, Utah was able to get the run on track. Um, and, man, mid, uh, what was it? I'm blanking on his name, the quarterback. I think K. Yeah, K. McConnell. Amazing game. The stats might not show it because he had 262 and Kelly Akari had like 200 of those. But he actually played the best football or the best quarterback play I've seen from a UTEP team this year, including Gavin Hardison. So shout out to him. Um, great game by him. And yeah, UTEP, good W. So we move on to Sam Houston State at New Mexico State. Now, I call my shot here. I, I liked what I was seeing from Sam Houston State the past two years. I just felt like they let games slip away both defensively and, and offensively. But Sam Houston State did not show up on the road this week. Um, so I called my shot for the win to win, and New Mexico State shut me up, winning the game 27-13 to 13 at home. Now, this game was kind of similar to the FIU game. They uh, – they, uh, I'm sorry, I got trolled for a second. They they uh, started off hot in the first half. New Mexico State scored 27 points. Second half didn't score anything. So we'll get into it. Sam Houston State starts the game with the punt, and New Mexico State starts with a 22-yard Diego Pavea touchdown line, just moved the ball down the field so quick and so easily. Then New Mexico State scores a 78-yard touchdown pass to Trent Hudson. New Mexico State scores a 22-yard field goal right after that. Starts off the break 17. Uh, uh, Sam Houston State turnover on downs, fourth and two pass complete, but short, so uh, short of the first down leads to a 39 yard field goal, so 20 to zip. Then, after that, New Mexico State scores a 12 yard Trent Hudson touchdown, uh, catch to for that final 27th point of the game. Like I said, they don't score in the second half. New Mexico State starts the second half with a punt, which Sam Houston State also starts with a punt. Sam Houston State blocks New Mexico State's punt with 629 left in the third, leads to a 16 yard Noah Smith touchdown catch. But the two point is no good. The Sam Houston State gets a 45 yard field goal attempt, but it is missed, which leads to a New Mexico State punt. Sam Houston State scores a six yard Noah Smith touchdown catch, and that'd be it for real. Two turnover on downs after that. Keegan Shoemaker pass incomplete on fourth and eight for the first one, and then another Keegan Shoemaker pass incomplete leads to the end of the game. Now, like I said, Sam Houston State. They came into the game. They woke up late. Second half played much better than the first half. And New Mexico State looked like they were in cruise control the second half. First half, they came out blazing, could not be stopped. Second half, Sam Houston State woke up, didn't allow any points, but it was a little too late. Couldn't get an offense, sustained offense enough to come back and win the game. So hats off to New Mexico State. Uh, Sam Houston State still winless, still looking for their first W. I don't know when they're going to get it. I, I hope it's soon. I don't want to see Sam Houston State come up from FCS to FBS and go 0-12 their first season. 
Um, I'm, I'm rooting for you know I'm rooting for these FCS schools to at least do something. I know Jack State has been balling five and two, but Sam Houston State give me a W, man. So we move on to a crazy game Thursday night. Um, West Virginia at Houston. If you didn't see it, you missed a good one. I picked West Virginia to win this game. I thought the game would be a low-scoring game. Um, Houston won off of a crazy Hail Mary at the end of the game, won the game 41-39. to 39. And while I'm watching this, after the end of the game, I'm like, I'm on a crazy cold streak. I can't pick nothing right. I got um this game wrong. I got the Sam Houston State game wrong. I got the uh, FIU game wrong. Like, I'm failing, y'all, at CTC. I'm failing. I'm, I'm like, man, I'm on a cold streak. But let's just get into it. Houston starts with a punt. Uh, but West Virginia gets the ball, gets a 27 yard field goal, three nothing. Then West, I mean, Houston, uh, then takes the opening, kick, the ensuing kickoff. Matt Golden again, another kick return, had one against TCU, now gets one against West Virginia. Takes a kickoff return to the crib, 100 yards. But West Virginia answers with a CJ Donaldson five, five yard touchdown run of his own. And with 28 seconds left in the half after a series of punts. Donovan Smith and this Houston offense gets it together. They find a chink in the West Virginia defense's armor, drives down the field for a two-yard Donovan Smith touchdown run. They were able to move the ball so effectively on this last drive before the half. The West Virginia starts the second half with a 35-yard trailing Ray touchdown catch. Um, Houston starts the second half with a three-and-out punt. West Virginia, Gary Green throws a pick, which leads to a 15-yard Joseph Manjack touchdown catch, which he, he had a pretty good second half. The whole Houston had a pretty good second half. West Virginia answers with a one-yard touchdown, Gary Green touchdown, uh, touchdown run. Houston answers with an eight-yard Samuel Brown touchdown catch, was one of my key players of the game. Houston then scores a 21-yard touchdown pass to Steven Johnson. Remember that name for later. West Virginia answers with an eight-yard Gary Green touchdown run, and the two-point is good with 12 seconds left. Game on the line, fourth and ten. They get a... They get a 50-yard uh, Hudson Clement touchdown catch. But Gary Grant, after the touchdown, gets a questionable, unsportsmanlike conduct uh, a celebration call, moves the kickoff back. Um, Pretty decent kickoff. They set up, but Houston runs a play. I think they run like a quick out or something like that to set up a Hail Mary. And Stephon... Johnson catches a 49-yard Hail Mary with time expiring. The ball was batted up. It was not batted down. It looked like Joseph Banjak actually kind of tipped it to him for the touchdown. Houston wins 49-31. Like I said, set up by the questionable, unnecessary, I mean, unsportsmanlike conduct for celebrating call on Garrett Green. But what can you do? I've seen it before. I've seen it at Syracuse Purdue last year when Syracuse, I mean, Purdue went up against Syracuse at Syracuse. It sucks, man. It really does suck. But you can't get yourself in them situations. Great win by Houston. I, I mean, I was talking, like, when West Virginia scored, like, dang, it sucks for Dana Hogerson. He's pissed. He's still offering the Big 12. I would be pissed, too. Like, you had this game. You moved so great offensively. You let one slip away. And then they get one. They catch a gift with a Hail Mary. So, shout out to them. First one in the Big 12. Moving on, we have a not-so-competitive game, SMU at ECU. I did pick SMU to win the game, SMU 31-10. to 10. Uh, I didn't think that it would be close. It was close throughout the game. SMU pulled away late. 
Both teams start the game punting twice. The SMU scores a 21-yard touchdown to Keyshawn Smith, set up by a 39-yard Keyshawn Smith catch. SMU then scores a 24-yard touchdown by Radrick Daniels, the junior, set up by a 48-yard Jordan Curley catch. Then ECU answers with a 49-yard field goal with 2.47 left in the second quarter. ECU scores a six-yard touchdown run by Mason Garcia, which was set up by a chase or 45-yard catch. Then to start the second half, both teams punt. And with 37 seconds left in the third, SMU scores a, I mean, misses a 38-yard field goal, which leads to an ECU Alex Fink fumble, which leads to an SMU 50-yard field goal. So a bit of a sloppy play there. With 7.22 left in the game, ECU Alex Finn throws a pick six. Then SMU gets the ball back and scores a 43-yard RJ Maryland touchdown pass. And then ECU to end the game, fourth and 10, Mason Garcia pass incomplete. SMU kneels out the game. Not too much to be said about this game. Uh, shout out to ECU for fighting for as long as they did. Kept it close throughout majority of the game. ECU, I mean, SMU pulled away with the pick six and then the ensuing touchdown. I think at that point it was 17-10 before the pick six and the extra touchdown. So the score looked worse than what the actual game, uh, the competition level of the game was. But anyway, shout out to getting the dubs. We move on to Friday night, and Friday night had some bangers, man. Friday night had some bangers for sure. Um, long football night, so if you weren't watching, I believe play. I think playoff baseball was on. I'm not exactly sure, but um, I can't remember. But hey, man, had some great college football. I do remember that. Tulane at Memphis. I did pick Tulane to win this game. Tulane ended up winning 31 to 21. Big second half by Tulane's defense. Both teams start the game with punts. Memphis, Seth Hennigan throws a pick, um, which leads to a two-yard Makai Hughes touchdown run. Now, the pick was, like, on the sideline. He overshot a guy, I believe, and the guy made a diving catch, if I remember correctly. Um, with 8-11 left in the second quarter, Tulane makes a 26-yard field goal. And I thought Tulane might run away with this. I know they were talking about doing the broadcast, the home team, I think, in this game has never lost. But I'm like, okay, Tulane might run away with this. Memphis is not came out it's ready to play Tulane as a top group of five conference team you can't you can't start off slow against this Tulane team then Memphis put it in high gear Memphis answers with a uh 17 yard Demir Blank uh C 17 yard catch well touchdown yard touchdown catch the Tulane fourth and three turnover on downs Michael Pratt pass incomplete which leads to a 28 yard touchdown pass to Joseph's uh sketch Tulane runs out the first half clock after the touchdown. So it's 14-10 Memphis. And I'm like, okay, Memphis is back in the game. Tulane, Tulane, this is what blew me about Tulane. Tulane had 45 seconds, three timeouts before the end of the half. And Willie Fritz chose to run the ball and run the clock out. Didn't trust his uh, senior quarterback, Michael Pratt, to try to make some plays. You have three timeouts. The clock stops on first downs temporarily. Didn't even give him a chance. And I thought it would bite them later in the game because I said I was saying you have to give them a chance. You have to trust your guys that don't make a play. 45 seconds is ample time left in this situation with three timeouts, but they chose not to do it, and it, chose, and it ended up not hurting. I definitely said that because Memphis got the ball back, and Memphis started the second half with a touchdown. 10-yard touchdown pass to Kobe Drake. To Kobe Drake, but that be it for Memphis. That was the last Memphis touchdown. Um, After that, Tulane – Answers with a one-yard Michael Pratt touchdown run. Tulane then scores a nine-yard touchdown run by Euclid Brown to take the lead, and they would never relinquish it again. Memphis, Seth Hannigan throws a pick, 
which leads to an 11-yard Lawrence Keys touchdown catch. And then Memphis on fourth and 18 has an incomplete pass for two-lane punts. And then Memphis has an 18-yard catch to Rock Taylor, but the game is over. They just let the clock run out to Lane. Hold on, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm live. My mother called me. She texted me. She making time. My mother called and texted me, asking like, could I answer the phone? Am I good? She didn't like the picture on my Instagram. Hold on. Give me a second. All right. Just had to let her know I'm straight. Oh, just had to let her know I'm straight. All right. So yeah, to the two lane game. Now two lane. And I forgot to write this receiver name down. He made timely catches. He only had three catches, but he had three catches for 100 yards. Um, I forgot his name for Tulane. Excuse me. Give me one second. Uh, Charles Brazil Jr. Timely catches. The freshman made big catches, contested catches down the field. Man. And then for Memphis, Blakem C. Blakem C. made big catches. He had six for 108. Made big catches down the field, made timely catches, just wasn't enough to get the dub. So shout out to Lane, five and one, major, major step in trying to win this American Athletic Conference. So shout out to Tulane there. Now we move on to Mountain West play. Where we had Fresno State, one of my favorites to win the Mountain West. Might have to change that to Air Force. Air Force has been looking real dominant. Mountain Fresno State at Utah State. I picked Fresno State to win this game. Fresno State did win this game. And depending on when you bet on Fresno State, they may have covered for you. I think up until maybe kickoff or a little bit before kickoff, Fresno State was minus four and a half, but then it jumped to five and a half. So depending on when you bet on them, you might have covered the spread. Uh, shout out my dog, J-Mo, in the building. Both got the dub today. Uh, but, yeah, Fresno State. Wins 37-32. And now I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get some Ws. I ain't failing y'all too much. I got the Fresno State win. I got the SMU win. I got the Tulane win. We're getting some Ws. Uh, Fresno State, both teams start with a punt. After the punts, Fresno State then scores a five-yard Malik Sherrod touchdown run. Then Utah State answers with a 29-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Royals. With 2.45 left in the second quarter, Fresno State scores a seven-yard touchdown pass to Trey Watson. But then Utah State answers again with a 52-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Royals. And that'd be it for the first half. We're going to the first half tie. Now, coming out of the first second, coming out in the second half, Utah State starts with a 37-yard field goal to go up three. I mean, Fresno State answers with a 46-yard touchdown run by Malik Sherrod. Malik Sherrod had a pretty good game. Utah State turnover on downs, four for six. Cooper Legar's pass incomplete, and it leads to a, a little trickeration. Jalen Green Gill. Throws a 19-yard touchdown pass to Trey Watson to put Fresno State up 10. Utah State but then throw a pick, Cooper Legos, but it leads to a Fresno State punt. Then Utah State will answer and score with a 43-yard touchdown pass to Terrell Vaughn, and the two-point is good. Fresno State will answer with a 26-yard field goal. Then Utah State will score a 24-yard Rasul Faison touchdown run. But then Fresno State would answer with an 11-yard Malik Sherrod touchdown run. The two-point is no good. And then Cooper Legos throws his second pick of the night to end the game. Um, Fresno State escapes out of Utah State with the W. Fresno State, honestly, this game was competitive. It was a little bit more competitive than I thought it would be. Fresno State, man, shout out to them. Didn't have uh, Mikey Keene. Don't know how long Mikey Keene will be gone for. 
Logan Fife stepped up, made plays when they had to, but they really led on the running. They really, you know, leaned on the running back, Malik Sherrod. And Malik Sherrod carried them to victory on the ground. So shout out. Shout out Fresno State getting the W, trying to keep pace with Air Force and uh, Wyoming in that right now, log jam first place of the – no, well, Air Force is clearly in front in, in, in the Mountain West, first place. But they're trying to keep pace. Shout out Teddy. What's up, my boy Teddy? BWT in the building. We move on to a game that I went to sleep on at halftime. Maybe a lot of people in the USA went to sleep on at halftime and woke up shocked. We move on to Colorado, Stanford at Colorado. Now, I did pick Colorado to win this game. Probably 99% of America picked Colorado to win this game. And Stanford won the game in double overtime, 46 to 43 Thanks to the heroics of Alec Ayo Manor. Man, I I went to sleep on the best part of the on the, the game. I went to sleep on the best part. I watched the, the you know the most boring part. I watched I watched the first half. Colorado was dominant. I'm like, all right, cool. I don't gotta watch the rest of this. Colorado, I'm gonna wake up. Colorado's gonna win the game. I'll uh recap the second half. You know what I'm saying? I'll watch it, recap it. But no. So we'll get into it. Stanford starts with a punt. You know, I ain't going to do that. Stanford does not score in the first half. Colorado goes touchdown. T- Colorado goes this. Nine-yard touchdown to Xavier Weaver. Weaver. 24-yard touchdown passes to Travis Hunter. Missed field goal by Stanford, which was a huge momentum uh, boost to Colorado. Touchdown pass to Xavier Weaver, 39 yards. Turnover on down Stanford. Leads to a 14-yard Xavier Weaver touchdown run. Um, in between those were let me let me get those correct because I forgot to write them down. It's Colorado, I think, went for two at one point, didn't get it. Um, I think they missed the extra point at one point. So I gotta let me get y'all to those correctly. So they start off with the extra point being good, make their first two extra points. Then they go for two and get the two-point conversion, excuse me. Then they get their extra point. So on the third touchdown, they do go for two, get it. They go up 22 to uh, 29 nothing. Um and then, like I said, I go to sleep. Colorado misses the field goal before the half. It's short. I did go. To, I did see that. And I go to sleep. I'm like, all right, cool. It's over. Cool. I ain't got to stay up that late. You know, I had something happen that I won't say. So it was cool for me to go to sleep, too. That was kind of bothering me. Um, and then the second half, just Stanford woke up. Stanford woke up. Stanford, uh, Colorado starts with a turnover on down, and that probably shifted momentum there. Fourth and two turnover on downs. Shador gets sacked, which leads to a two-yard Bryce Farrell touchdown run, but the two-point is no good. Stanford then scores a 97-yard touchdown pass to the crib by Alec Ayo Manor, and the two-point is no good. Then Stanford scores a 60-yard touchdown pass again to Alec Elick Ayo Manor. They go in for the extra point. And then another turnover on downs, down 10, I mean, up 10, Colorado, fourth and four, intentional grounding call, which is going to be a sack probably anyway. Leads to a one-yard Justin Landon touchdown right now. is a three-point game. But Colorado answers with a 16-yard touchdown pass to Travis Hunter. And now it's back to a 10-point game. And then Stanford answers again with a three-yard touchdown pass to Bryce Farrell. Stanford stands at the end of regulation, kicks a field goal to tie the game. Um, forced OT and at OT they trade touchdowns. Colorado scores a four yard Javon Anthony touchdown. I mean Javon Antonio touchdown catch, and Stanford scores a thirty yard pass to Alec Ayo Manor. Crazy catch! He caught the ball ball on Travis Hunter's helmet, literally a head tap. 
touchdown. Then Colorado Shador Sanders throws a pick in double OT, which leads to a 31-yard game-winning field goal. Now, my well, besides the obvious of Alec Ayo Manor having a spectacular game, you know you're going to hear his name at major performances. He rightfully deserves it. This game for Colorado puts them at four and three, two games away from being bowl eligible. I had them going six and six, and I felt like Colorado needed this game here. Now, Washington State, I think they do play them, and they are on a slide right now. Cam Ward has been looking bad, um, lose two straight in blowout fashion. But Colorado doesn't, his schedule doesn't get easier. Colorado, let's look at their schedule. I remember they do play Oregon State, not necessarily a W. Colorado State has been playing great. Defense, they're going to dominate Colorado in the trenches. Colorado also, wow, my it went right to it. UCLA, not this week, but next week, another great defensive team. Now, Dante Moore, as I'll state later, I'll, I'll talk to Dante Moore later, but UCLA, not great offensively, but can run the mess out the ball, which is Colorado's weakness. Oregon State, same thing, heavy run. Defense is crazy. Arizona is a game I feel like Colorado can get. Washington State, maybe. But Utah, now maybe they get Utah because Utah offense is terrible. I don't know if Cam Rising just shuts it down for the rest of the year. Utah is 5-1. They still have a chance for the Pac-12, especially with SC losing. But I don't have them beating Utah either. They needed this game to go bowl eligible. Right now, 6-6 six six is a possibility, but it's less of a possibility than a guarantee. I see five and seven at the the least, six and six at the most right now. But with this Stanford win, they would have been five and two with the most being seven and five with the least being six and six. Arizona is no slouch. They've been playing great football lately. They just beat the mess out of Washington State. They took SC to three overtimes. But, man, Colorado, tough and terrible loss if you wanted to go bowling and Deion's first year in Boulder. Now we move on. To Saturday, 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 Saturday. And what a Saturday we had, but not in the noon. The Saturday games, noon, suck. We'll probably just fly by these real quick. So we had Ohio State at Purdue. I had Ohio State winning. No spoiler making here this weekend. Ohio State wins 41 to 7. Purdue starts with the ball and they miss a 58 yard field goal. Can't miss opportunities when you're trying to upset a team. Leads to an Ohio State 14-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison Jr., but the point after is no good. Wouldn't matter. Um, Ohio State then gets the ball back and scored a two-yard touchdown run by Devin Brown. Get the ball back. Devin Brown fumbles in the red zone, but it leads to a three-and-out punt. Ohio State would then score a four-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. for a second on the day. It was two seconds left in the uh, half. Purdue misses a 39-yard field goal. Two blown opportunities. Um... Ohio State then gets the ball first half, second half, and then first to start the second half, scores a one-yard. Dallin Hayden touchdown run, terrible handwriting. Purdue then misses a 27-yard field goal, leads to a 14-yard cage stove, a touchdown catch. And with 45 seconds left in the third, Cal McCord fumbles on sack. Leads, I mean, yeah, in the third leads to a Deion Burke six-yard touchdown catch. But that'd be it for Purdue. And then Ohio State then scores a Devin Brown 58 touchdown pass, 58-yard touchdown pass. To Brandon Ennis. And the game went with end. Like that'd be it. That'd be it for the scoring. The game was boring. Ohio State dominated from start to finish. Purdue defensively is trash. Like it's not a good defense. Offensively, Hudson Card is hit or miss. This offense is hit or miss. 
Purdue team, man. I think they are currently with three wins. I think this Purdue team has three wins. No, they have two, two and five. They're looking to miss the ball. They're looking to miss the ball. Um, they got to clean it up quick. I do agree with that, Ty. Big game coming up. Will be previewed on Wednesday. Now we move on to another blowout. Syracuse at number four, Florida State. Um, pick Florida State to win. One blowout fashion, 41-3. to three. Never a contest. Syracuse gets the ball first, goes three and out and punt. Florida State gets the ball first, scores a two-yard Jordan Travis touchdown run, set up by Keon Coleman. Florida State then gets a 48-yard field goal. Syracuse will answer with a 37-yard field goal, and that'd be it for them on the day. They just get the answer with the field goal, and that's it. They don't score for the rest of the day. Then Florida State answers with a 58-yard touchdown pass to my guy, Keon Coleman, one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, Syracuse then fumbles. Gary Schrader fumbles. Florida State recovers, leads to a turnover on downs with a fourth and goal pass incomplete. And then with 303, Florida State turnover on downs. Jaheim Bell runs stop short, leads to a punt. Both teams punt to start the second half. Florida State then scores a two-yard Jordan Travis touchdown run. Syracuse misses a 37-yard field goal, but it leads to a punt. With 14.06 left in the game, Florida State gets a 29-yard field goal. Then they score a 50-yard Lawrence Toafili uh, touchdown run. Then Florida State scores a tape roll to make a 44-yard touchdown pass to Akeem Williams. Syracuse, Carlos Del Rio Wilson throws an interception that throws salt in its own wound to lose the game 41-3. Like I said, not much to talk about here. Florida State in dominant fashion. Keon Coleman, another big game from receiving and in the punt return game, over 100 uh, over 100 punt return yards. Um, Florida State dominates. Florida State had now has Duke coming up, so need to repeat the same performance against a way better defense. Now we move on to a game that was much better. Arkansas at number 11, Alabama. I picked Alabama to win. Alabama escaped with the W in Tuscaloosa, 24 to 21. Both teams start with three and out punts. Arkansas gets a 55-yard field goal. Arkansas gets the ball back and gets a 49-yard field goal. And then Alabama in the first half found something with the deep passing game. Alabama answers out on third and 15. Answers with a 79-yard touchdown pass to Kobe Prentice. Like I said, they started to find something in that deep passing game. Arkansas, they was getting deep bombs against Arkansas. Uh, Alabama, they scores a one-yard Jalen Milroe touchdown run. Set up by Jermaine Burton, 44-yard catch. And the Ja'Cory Brooks, 25-yard catch. Um, Alabama, they scores a 29-yard touchdown pass to Amari Kneeblack. Um, Alabama, then gets the ball to start the second half. They drive the ball, but they punt. I'll, I'll address that in a second. But they punt. Arkansas gets the ball and goes three and out and punt. Alabama gets a 30-yard field goal, and they go 24-6. to six. And then Arkansas, they find some of their own offensively with 33 seconds left in the third quarter. Arkansas gets a five-yard touchdown pass to Isaiah Segner. Then Arkansas scores a 14-yard touchdown pass to Rashad Dub, uh, Dubuignan. But the two-point is good. Then that puts uh, – that makes the score 21 to 24. Arkansas then gets the ball back after a Bama punt. And they're driving, but Dallas Turner gets a huge sack on third down on KJ Jefferson, which punched ball. Uh, Arkansas is forced to punt the ball back, and Alabama runs out the last 519 of the game to escape with the W against Arkansas 24 to 21. Um, they weren't exactly able to hit those deep shots in the second half. I'm talking about Bama, but the first half. Once they got that one deep shot to Kobe Prentice, it was like 
all bombs over Baghdad. They were hitting deep shots left and right, scoring touchdowns left and right. Dylan Monroe looked really good in the first half. Now the second half, they were still able to maintain a passing game. They were hitting more intermediate shots in the second half. But Arkansas put a uh, pretty much put a stop to that offense and was able to generate offense of their own in the second half. Just came up short in protecting KJ Jefferson late game. Uh, and couldn't get the stop to have one more crack at trying to win the game or putting it in the overtime late in the game against Bama. So shout out to Bama. Nick Saban still has a chance to win the SEC title, still has a chance to make the SEC championship game, and still has a chance to make the playoffs. You can never discount what the, uh, what the um, committee does for Bama. The committee takes over, I believe, this week. After this week, I think the committee starts to take over. So the AP poll is cute, but I think the committee takes over next week. So you can't really trust the AP after that. Now let me address Mr. Tyrone Parker. If you remember, I think I said this in the chats. I might even said this on CTC. At first, I was pissed we let go of Keon Coleman. Now, knowing what I know now with the whole MSU Mel Tucker scandal, can't find a quarterback, even though Caden Hauser looked really good. And the fact that he's on a team that can win a natty, I'm not mad. I'm happy that he left and went somewhere to where he can prosper. And him going to Florida State raised his draft stock tremendously. So I would rather him leave and prosper than stay with us and suffer. Shout out to Keon Coleman, man. Unbelievable talent. I told Florida State what they had when he left. Just a great talent, man. And I'm never going to be mad at Keon for doing what was best for him and not what was best for my school, man. Shout out Keon. So moving on, I had to address that comment. We go to what I thought was going to be the best game of the noon slot, which became a blowout. Georgia Southern at James Madison. Georgia, I picked JMU, James Madison, to win this game. And they, they didn't win. They dominated. Final score, 41-13. to 13. Unbelievable domination here. I want to bring up the fact. I just want to make sure JMU is undefeated at 7 or 6-0. and 0. Um, I can't find this game. Hold on. But JMU dominated. Jordan McLeod, look, he was just making plays. Yeah, JMU is 6 0. Jam, I said Jamie. Jordan McLeod was just orchestrating the offense. Kalen Black was ripping runs. It just was beautiful by JMU. And I also brought up the fact Davis Brin had seven, I believe, seven interceptions going into yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, because he has nine. JMU. The defense had seven interceptions going into yesterday. Who would leave? Would the JMU defense leave with more picks? Or would Davis Bren leave with seven picks and not throw one? And your answer, Davis Bren threw, threw, threw two picks. JMU now nine picks on the season. Forced three picks. No, they have ten picks. The backup even threw a pick. So JMU has ten picks on the season. Just ball hawking defense by JMU. Let's get into the game. JMU gets ball first, scored a 23-yard touchdown pass to Elijah Surratt, converted a fourth and two to get there. Then Georgia Southern gets the ball, and they stall out in JMU territory and have to punt. JMU scores a 15-yard touchdown pass to Kalen Black, set up by a 28-yard catch, I mean by a 28-yard Tyson Lawton run, excuse me. JMU scores a 23-yard field goal after that. Um, They had a second-and-goal touchdown pass get dropped on that, which had them settling for the field goal. They should have had a touchdown. Georgia Southern answers with a 43-yard field goal. JMU answers with a 46-yard field goal. So when when Georgia Southern scored, JMU said we can do that too. Georgia Southern answers with a 27-yard field goal after converting fourth and one quarterback sneak. 
right before the half. And then Georgia Southern starts the second half with a punt after one first down. And JMU starts the second half with a punt. JMU then scores a 15-yard touchdown pass to Kalen Black. Georgia Southern, Davis Brent throws an interception, leads to the 20-yard Kalen Black touchdown run. Then JMU scores a four-yard Tyson Lawton touchdown run after that. Davis Brent throws a second interception, leads to a three-and-out punt. Now, I have heard that Davis Brent threw a third, but I remember Chad, uh, not Chaz French, that's a rapper. Uh, the backup quarterback did end up throwing a pick. So let me correct myself on which pick he threw. The first pick, excuse me, was J.C. French, not Davis Brent. The second and the third pick was Davis Brent. So Davis Brent actually throws the second pick late game, but it leads to a three-and-out punt. So both the Davis Brent picks leads to three-and-out punts. Georgia Southern then scores a one-yard touchdown run by David Ambedinga. But that was at the end of the game, just to make the score look better. I mean, 41-13 don't look no better than 41-6, but, I mean, it shows that you were in double digits at least. But like I said, JMU dominated the whole game. Jordan McLeod orchestrated just, just the offense was so beautiful. Beautifully ran by Jordan McLeod. JMU, um, I don't think JMU can play for the Sun Belt title, which sucks. I don't even think JMU can go bowling, which also sucks. Um, I always forget. I think I even gave y'all an answer last show, and I already forgot the answer I gave y'all. So I'll look it up, and I'll have an answer for y'all tomorrow when I preview Tuesday and Wednesday night games. But right now, I don't think JMU can uh, – could, uh, go uh, go bowling or to the Sun Belt Championship. Uh, shout out. What's up, mom? Shout out my mother. She in the comments. So shout out moms. But now we move on to the 330. 330 slot, man. Great game here. Oregon, eight Oregon at seven. Washington. I picked Washington to beat Oregon for two years straight. I, tr- I just trusted Michael Penix more. And boy, do I got something to say about Dan Lanning. So Washington wins the game 36 to 33. Last-minute touchdown, Roman Dunze with a great touchdown catch. Jalen Polk with a great catch leading up to that touchdown catch. Man, these NFL receivers, man. Washington got these NFL receivers going crazy against these college DBs. I'm not just saying Oregon is just strictly college DBs because Oregon has some good DBs. I'm just talking about in general. Don't want to seem like I'm throwing a shot to Oregon there. But, man, let's get into the game. Washington gets the ball first, and they get one first down and punt. Not, not what you're expecting in the Washington-Oregon game. Oregon goes three and out and punt. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. The over here was 67. Let's, let's, let's get it together. What's, I ain't take the over, by the way. But I'm just saying, like, the over is set at 67. That's really a principle under for me. But in this game, I'm like, I'm not doing that. So, like, where the points? So, Washington scores a 26-yard touchdown pass. And I'm like, here we go. To Josh Jackson, set up by Roma Dunsey, a 43-yard catch. Then Oregon answers with a 12-yard Bucky Irvin touchdown run and go for two and get it. That was set up by an unsportsmanlike conduct flag on Washington. Washington then answers, and this is where we just start throwing haymakers at each other. Washington answers with a 26-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Polk. Um, Oregon answers with an 11-yard touchdown pass to Patrick Herbert. Washington answers with a 7-yard Dylan Johnson touchdown run, and the two-point is good. Then Oregon answers with a 46-yard field goal set up by a defensive pass interference. Washington, Michael Penix then throws an interception. But it leads to a turnover on downs. Fourth and goal, the pass is incomplete. Now, me personally, I think this is the one right before the half. I don't know why they didn't take the points. You get the ball back at halftime. You're down one. It was no reason to gamble. But Bo Nix wanted to gamble. Dan landed back his quarterback. And it killed him. 
I think you take the three there, double dip. Your offense has been playing great. The defense at the time had one stop and been giving up points, but then you get a pick before the half. So that's a big momentum swing. Got to keep that momentum going. Running forward and goal plays incomplete. You leave with nothing. But then Oregon State, to start the second half, three and out punt. So you leave with nothing twice. Washington then scores a 17-yard Roman Dunsey touchdown catch. Then Oregon answers with the turnover on downs. Fourth and three pass incomplete. You leave with nothing again. You go for it. You get nothing. But it leads to a three and out punt by Washington. Oregon scores a 30-yard Troy Franklin touchdown catch after that and go for two and get it. Then Oregon gets another stop. Gets a 10-yard Jordan James touchdown run. Nice hard forward run by Jordan James would not be denied. Then Washington turnover on downs in the red zone. Now, this is where I wanted them to run a play action uh, on, like, second or third down. They had three cracks at the one to get it. Oregon goal line stand beautiful, blowing up every run play, was not allowing nothing. Um, fourth and goal, the run is stopped. Oregon, well, Oregon with a chance to punt the ball and make Michael Penix have to go at least 80 yards. I think no timeouts or maybe one timeout. I can't remember. But has to go at least 80 yards. Says, no, we're going to go for a game. I disagree with the call and the decision. But they go for another fourth down. Turnover on downs. Another sprint out is incomplete by Bo Nix. Washington then in two plays. First play, 18-yard catch. I mean, not 18-yard catch. Excuse me. 35-yard catch to Jalen Polk. And they scored a game-winning touchdown. 18-yard catch to Roma Dunzier. Well, Oregon still has time to drive down the field. They drive down the field for a 43-yard field goal, and it is no good. Washington wins at home against Oregon. Shout out the Huskies. Michael Penix is clearly in first place for the Heisman right now. Um, I don't think it's close right now. Michael Penix is playing the best football, um, period. Uh, Caleb Williams, as I will get into later, has squandered his chances at the Heisman. Drake May, while undefeated, I get into well, I can get into that. Drake May, while undefeated, has too many turnovers. He's not putting up the numbers like Michael Penix. Um, their top 10, Drake May is right there. Their top 10. Drake May is still a great quarterback. I just don't think he's there yet. Um, but Washington still has there's a lot of football left. We still got five weeks of college football, depending on who's um who's been on bye weeks and everything. But right now, Michael Penix is the is the Heisman. Dan Lanning. You were way too aggressive in this game. Understand wanting to win. Understand feeling like you're going to need points to win. But the first fourth down you went for, unnecessary. I don't care if my quarterback wants to go for it. This is where you have to say, look, son, I'm the coach. We can get three points here. We get the ball back. We can double dip. We can go up and score a touchdown and go for two and go up seven as opposed to getting nothing. Then getting nothing come out of half, and now you're still down four. Could have at least been down one at the best, been up seven. But no, you leave with nothing that comes back to haunt you. Another fourth down. The other fourth down, I'm really not that mad at. Um, Later in the game, I'm really not that mad at being aggressive. I, I'm not a guy who never go for a fourth down, no. I'm a Ravens fan. We love to go for it. I love it. But at times. And the last fourth down, that definitely disagree. Too many yards. Um, then you ran a play that they knew you were going to go to. You're gone to it in the clutch too many times, especially in this game. Sprint out left, pass incomplete. 
too many aggressive calls. Sometimes you got to play football the right way, the non-aggressive way. I feel like Dan Lanning cost this team a win. Dan Lanning may have caused Bo Nix a chance at the Heisman. A lot of football left. You got to pray for some Washington losses. But, man, this does not help Oregon right now. I know I spent a lot of time on that game, but I had to get that out about Dan Lanning. I did not agree with two of those fourth down calls. Now we go to a game that had less fireworks, probably more so <laughs> defense and sloppy offense. We move on to Texas A&M at Tennessee. Texas A&M, Connor Wegman's out for the year, so we're on to Max Johnson. Max Johnson. Uh, Tennessee, I picked Tennessee to win this game at home. Tennessee wins 20-13. to SEC West Slugs Fest defensively. Uh, let's get into it. Tennessee gets the ball first. First drive and a punt. Texas A&M scored the two-yard touchdown on his first drive. Uh, touchdown run by Max Johnson. Tennessee has a turnover on downs, fourth and two pass incomplete. Leads to a three and out punt. Tennessee scores a seven yard touchdown pass to Jacob Warren after that. And then Texas A&M answers with a 41 yard field goal. Tennessee um, answers with a uh, 51 yard field goal missed, but then leads to a Texas A&M turnover on downs, fourth and one. It was a bad play, busted play. I think the ball was like snapped low and Max Johnson had to dive on it. Uh, leads to a Texas A&M. No, Texas A&M gets the ball back to start the second half. Goes three and out and punt. Tennessee has a turnover on downs. Fourth and six. Joe Milton sack. Leads to a three and out punt. But with 6.47 left in the third quarter, Texas A&M punts the ball to D. Williams. A short punt. And D. Williams takes it to the house. 39 yards to the house for a touchdown. And Texas A&M will answer with a field goal. So Texas A&M is now down one. And then Joe Milton drives down the field, but he throws an interception. Joe Milton, man, I put my key to winning the game for Texas A&M was to turn over Joe Milton. They get it late in the game. But then Texas A&M misses a 50-yard field goal. And with that miss, it leads to Tennessee making a 31-yard field goal. Max Johnson, one, uh, one opportunity left, throws a pick actually at two. So then Max Johnson gets the opportunity uh, down four, throws a pick right to the defense. But Tennessee doesn't put the game away. They have to settle for a 24-yard field goal. So Max Johnson has one more chance, do or die drive, fourth and 10. He throws an interception. Game is over. Tennessee wins it. Tennessee escapes. Max Johnson ended up throwing picks with the game on the line twice. Tennessee did not look great offensively. Joe Milton looked a little inaccurate at times. And that's what I say, man. You get to Joe Milton, force him to be a little inaccurate. I understand he has a strong arm, can throw a ball 100 yards probably if you give him enough time. But, man, he can be inaccurate. He still has to fix, fix these accuracy issues. He still has all the talent in the world as a quarterback. But it's just at times, man, at times. And sometimes they're at bad times. But Tennessee escapes the W in Knoxville, moves on, and they loaded SEC West. Now, for a game that I picked incorrect, Kansas with Jason Bing, still no date, Jalen Daniels, loses to Oklahoma State. And I'll get into the Kansas meltdown later in that game that actually cost me $300. This meltdown cost me $300. But Kansas, ranked 23. I was happy. Banging the table. You're back, Frank. Lose to Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has been playing great football ever since the loss to South Alabama, 33-7. Turned it around. 
let's start with the get into the game. Oklahoma State gets the ball first, and they go right down the field with a 17-yard touchdown pass to Ollie Gordon, set up by a 50-yard screen pass. I believe the Ollie Gordon. Then Kansas gets the ball and gets go gets one first down and punts. I'm like, oh man, here we go. Kansas about to blow it. Oklahoma State scores a 20-yard touchdown pass to Brendan Presley. Go up 14 nothing, And then Kansas answers with a 47-yard touchdown pass to Trevor Wilson. Oklahoma State answers with a 28-yard field goal set up by Rashad Owen. 40-yard catch. Kansas answers with a 30-yard touchdown pass to Mason Fairchild. Mason Fairchild, one of my tight ends to watch for at the beginning of the season for the John Mackey Award. Two touchdowns in the game. Converted third and 13. Point out the attempt is blocked, though. Then Kansas scores a 44-yard touchdown pass again to Mason Fairchild for his second touchdown of the game. And the two-point attempt is no good. All this was set up by Lawrence Arnold, 28-yard catch with 2.52 left in the second quarter. Oklahoma State gets a 42-yard Ali, Ali Gordon touchdown run. Kansas then answers with a 49-yard touchdown pass to Quentin Skinner, but the two-point again is no good. The, but Kansas gets the ball first in the second half, scores a 42-yard touchdown pass to Quentin Skinner. Oklahoma State answers with a 26-yard field goal. But then Jason Beam in Kansas starts to melt. Jason Beam throws his first interception. Leads to a camp, I mean, Oklahoma State 21-yard field goal. Then Jason Beam throws another interception with the ball being tipped. Leads to a 43-yard field goal. Missed. Then on fourth and four, Jason Bean is sacked. Fumbled. Recovered by Kansas, but it's fourth down. It doesn't matter. Leads to a six-yard touchdown pass to Brennan Presley, but the two-point is no good, so it's a seven-point game. But then Kansas – I mean, no, no, no. It's not a seven-point game. Excuse me. It's a four-point game. Four-point game. So with all that being said, after the missed field goal, still being up two, the uh, the turnover on downs, instead of uh, punting the ball, the touchdown, you're down four with a chance to win the game. Kansas – Turnover on downs, fourth and one, being passes incomplete. Leads to a 42-yard field goal with barely any time left. Kansas doesn't have no time to score. Lose by a touchdown. Kansas had two picks, two turnovers on downs to end the game. That is four turnovers in their last four drives while up five. Blows the game. Blows my parlay. I keep telling you I'm a degenerate. Hey, Kansas minus three was looking good. The only leg that lost for $300 on a $5 free bet. I was hot, but it's college football. It's gambling. Jason Bean blows the game. Kansas melts in Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State still only two losses on the year. Um, Oklahoma State, they keep this up, can be ranked later, but – I know I hit, and I know the, I know this one thing. Oklahoma State offense has been playing great last week. Uh, was great last week against uh, K State. Was great this week against Kansas. I know as soon as I jump on the Oklahoma State bandwagon, the offense is gonna go back to what it was week one. Go back to what it was against South Alabama. Go, um, it's just going it's going to revert. I know it is. But Allen Bowman has been playing good. Ali Gordon been running his behind off. It's great win against Oklahoma State at home. I mean, great win for Oklahoma State at home. And shout out Cam Epps, man. Cam Epps had a pretty pretty decent game at cornerback again. So shout out Cam Epps. Now for the last game of the afternoon slot, and this was a defensive slugfest, like I told y'all. The over-under was like 36 and a half, and the under hit. The under hit, <laughs> Iowa, I picked Wisconsin to win this game. Um, Wisconsin's quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, ended up getting hurt right before the end of halftime. It was out for the game. Uh, Iowa's tight end Eric all ended up getting hurt for the rest of the game. So 
Iowa was without his tight end. Wisconsin was out with was without his quarterback. Iowa was already without Cade McNamara out for the season with an ACL. Iowa wins the game 15 to 6. We'll get into the game. So Iowa gets the ball first with punts. There, there's a lot of punts in this game, if, if you don't know. Wisconsin, turnover went down 4th and 1 at Iowa's 13. Braylon Allen was stuffed short on the run. It leads to an Iowa State turnover went down 4th and 3 run. Tackle for a five-yard loss. It leads to a Wisconsin punt. So, all that, zero points. With 11.49 left in the second quarter, LaShawn Williams scores an 82-yard touchdown run, which was, the, I believe, the only touchdown of the game. With 1.30 left in the second quarter, Tanner Mordecai is hurt. Um, out for the game on a run, I believe, run up the sideline. I think he scrambled and got hurt at the end. Wisconsin starts the second half, 36-yard field goal. Iowa starts the second half with a three-and-out punt. Wisconsin, a 52-yard field goal, which is good. So they're down one. With 13.08 left in the game, Iowa scores a 48-yard field goal. Back up four. Wisconsin, Braden Locke sacks four at safety. So now Wisconsin's up six. Then, after that, 301 left, Braden Locke fumbles. Iowa recovers, leads to a 40-yard field goal, putting the game out of reach late. Iowa's now up two possessions, up 15-6. to six. Braden Locke throws a pick anyway in Iowa territory. Iowa kneels it out to win the game. Like I said, there's nothing really to talk about here. Iowa just got the one big play, and that was literally the difference in the game. The one touchdown, the 82-yard touchdown run, literally the difference. Um, Wisconsin offense did not show up. Braylon Allen tried as he might, just can't get it done on his own. Um, Tanner Mordecai prayers up, but I think he was in a sling, so his season might be over. Huge loss for Wisconsin. Iowa is now in firm control of the Big Ten West. Might even now win the Big Ten West, and it sucks because whoever wins the Big Ten East is just going to probably blast through Iowa. So, again, the Big Ten is looking like the Big Ten East cha- uh, champ is going to win it. Now for the late nights, and we get into Caleb Williams' disastrous performance. SC, who I picked to win this game, I know SC has not won in Notre Dame for a long time, but they haven't had a Caleb Williams. And Notre Dame said, we don't care if you have a Caleb Williams. You're still not going to win this game. And they and they win the game 48-20 to 20 against SC. SC offense looked terrible in the first half. I don't even think they scored in the first half. So let's get into it. SC gets the ball first. Caleb Williams throws a pick. Throws a pick to Xavier Scott. Leads to a four yards of Brian Payne touchdown catch. Um, then, with 11-13 left in the first quarter, SC scores a 25-yard field goal. Notre Dame scores a 36-yard field goal. Answers. SC punts on fourth and six, but a penalty running into the punter. Goes for it now on fourth and one. Caleb Williams with an eight-yard run. But it leads to a turnover on downs. Fourth On fourth down, tackle for a five-yard loss. Leads to a punt. Caleb Williams throws his second interception to Xavier Watts, who takes it all the way down to the two, almost had a pick six. Um, leads to a two-yard Audric estimate touchdown run. Then Caleb Williams throws his third interception, this time to probably your Jim Thorpe winner of the year, my Jim Thorpe winner of the year, Benjamin Morrison. Leads, uh, leads to a one-yard Audric estimate touchdown run. Then SC scores a 48-yard field goal before the half. Questionable timeout by Notre Dame. I understand Marcus Williams was probably going to get an offsides call. On uh, so this is my, this is my thing, right? So Notre Dame, not Notre Dame, SC, I believe, completes a pass, 
and not as scrambling to clock the ball. But I don't think they had enough time to even get the playoff. I think if Marcus Freeman lets that run out, they look at the play, they realize the ball is at triple, I mean, the score, the time is at triple zero before Caleb Williams gets the spike off. No need for a timeout. The half will be over. The penalty won't matter because the ball was not hiked. You don't have to call a timeout and bail SC out and give them three points. That's just my opinion. That's what I saw. But moving on, we then go to the second half, which both teams punt, go three and out and punt in the second half. SC scored a 31-yard Marshawn Lloyd touchdown run. Notre Dame answers with a 46-yard Chris Tyree touchdown catch. Burn got behind the defense and burned the man. Uh, nine, with 9.04 left in the fourth quarter, SC throws a seven-yard touchdown to Brendan Rice. Notre Dame takes kickoff to the house. Darian Price, ninety. Darian Price, excuse me, ninety-nine yard kick six to the house. Uh, SC turnover on down fourth and nine. Caleb Williams is sacked, leads to a twenty-three yard field goal. Then Mario Williams catches the ball, try to make a move. He just drops it. Xavier Watts, Johnny on the spot, picks it up to the crib for a touchdown. And uh, yeah, Quint Joyner fumbles and Notre Dame recovers and runs out the clock. SC beats them and gets the mess beat out of them by Notre Dame. Caleb Williams, three turnovers, unacceptable. Could not get this offense going. Like I said, those three picks, you might have lost yourself to have And he was throwing gifts. It's not like the receivers might have tipped the ball and the DB just made good play. No, these were gifts. These were gifted interceptions. Like, he was just throwing them right to the defense. And the defense was just like, thank you. Xavier Watts, who, no secret, will be on my major performances. Johnny on the spot for two of them. So Caleb Williams has to get his team together. Somebody's going to have to play, have to have a players meeting, only meeting, and they got to figure it out. They have to figure it out. Like I said, they've been playing with fire. I mentioned it on the recap, you know, on the preview show. They've been playing with fire all like these past two weeks, now third, and they finally got burned. They didn't play teams good enough to burn them for playing with fire. Now they got burned. They played a team. You mess around, you're going to find out. And they found out in a 20-point L. So SC has a chance to bounce back. Playoffs looking bleak, but not un, not unobtainable. Got to win out. Got to be Oregon. Think they play Washington. Got to win those games to have a chance. Now, we move on to a better game. Don't know how they was ranked coming into this game, but they were ranked uh, number 25 Miami at 12 ranked UNC. I had UNC winning this game. I went with the better quarterback, in my opinion, Drake May, the better quarterback. Um, the better defense, well, didn't show up, which was Miami. But UNC won the game 31 to 21. Miami, like I said earlier, now unranked. UNC now top 10. Miami gets the ball first, leads to a punt. UNC punts as well on their first drive. The UNC scores an 18-yard Tez Walker. Shout out to Tez. Free Tez Walker. The NCAA didn't free them. They didn't let my boy play. And he gets an 18-yard touchdown catch. Set up by J.J. Jones, 48-yard catch. Miami then drives down to the one. Uh, Henry Paris Jr. fumbles right at the one. UNC picks it up. They didn't, they didn't take a knee in the end zone. They actually run it out to the five. But it leads to a punt. Um, but on the punt, um, I believe the U gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, but they still punt anyway after. Then Miami scores an 18-yard touchdown pass to Xavier Restrepo, set up by uh, a defensive holding in the unsportsmanlike conduct flag. Miami then scores a 35-yard touchdown pass to Jacoby George, converted a fourth and two to get that. 
UNC answers with a two-yard of Mayan Hampton touchdown run set up by an sportsman like on the coach of Miami, trying to set up some defenses, trying to set up some substitutions. Didn't like what he see. The refs thought he was yelling at them. He might have been yelling at a ref, might have been yelling at a player. Don't really know. Anyway, results in a uh unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, and then USC scores. Miami gets a 28-yard field goal right before the half, however, to go up 17 to 14. But then UNC scores a 56-yard touchdown to Tez Walker to start the second half in front of his peoples. He's from, I believe, the Raleigh area or Chapel Hill area. He's I know he's from North Carolina, don't know specifically where, but I know he had a lot of people at the game. Um scores again in front of his people, but that wouldn't be it for Tez Walker. Miami then throws, TVD throws an interception, leads to a 33-yard Tez Walker touchdown catch. Now he has the hat trick. No secret he's on major performances. Major performance by my boy, the transfer from Kent State. UNC then scores a four-yard touchdown pass to Marion Hampton. Then Miami gets a turnover on downs, fourth and 10. TVD pass incomplete, leads to a 35-yard field goal. Miami would then answer with a 13-yard Xavier Restrepo touchdown catch. UNC would then answer with a 23-yard field goal set up by a 60-yard Marion Hampton run. Then Miami answers with a 54-yard touchdown pass to Brashad Smith. Oh, hold on. I might have got the score of this game wrong. And then UNC recovers an onside kick. The Tez Walker leads to a 3 and out punt. But then TVD will throw a pick to end the game. Let me make sure I got this score correct because I just – Miami at 17. They scored a touchdown, two touchdowns. Hold on. I might have got the score of this game incorrect. Hold on. Give me one second. I was watching the game, so I don't know how I wrote it down incorrect, but it happens. I'm human, so definitely could have wrote it down incorrect. No, 31-41. I put 21-31. Jesus, that is completely off. The final score was 31-41. to Like I said, I am human. You know what I'm saying? I do make mistakes, so. But Drake made phenomenal. Not even Drake made phenomenal night. Phenomenal night for Taylor Walker. The night that he deserved. He deserved it. He fought hard to gain eligibility against the NCAA. They were not trying to let him play at first. He finally granted his eligibility. First game in his home crowd. It's only right that he gets his triple hat in the home crowd with his family in the stands. Just a feel-good story for Tez Walker. Yeah, man. TBD, two picks, two late-game picks. Miami now on a two-game slide. Uh, not, not good, especially coming off a game that you should have won against Georgia Tech. We don't have to bring that up again, but not good for Miami. Now, my upset pick, Mizzou at Kentucky, 24th at the time, ranked Kentucky. I went with Mizzou. I just feel like Mizzou had the better quarterback. I don't trust Devin Leary. I don't think Devin Leary is that good. Um, I'm sorry. Brady Cook is the better quarterback. I went with the better offense, the more explosive offense. Ray Davis is probably the best player in the game offensively. But when you add Theo Weiss, Luther Burden didn't have a good game. He was they, they did a pretty good job taking him away. But they still had Cody Schrader, Theo Weiss. Brady Cook got into it late. We'll get into it. But I did pick Mizzou to win, and they did win 38-21 to going into Lexington, Kentucky with the W. Mizzou gets the ball and goes three and out and punts. Then Kentucky, they just – it looked like nobody wanted to tackle Ray Davis. They just moved the ball down the field with Ray Davis, and Ray Davis gets a seven-yard touchdown pass. After Devin Leary's first rushing touchdown gets called back due to a holding. Then Mizzou Brady Cook throws an interception, to uh, which leads to a 13-yard Devin Leary touchdown run. So now he gets his first touchdown run in a year. Um, then Mizzou answers with a 39-yard fake punt. The punter throws a dime to Marquise Johnson, the punter Luke Bauer. 
39-yard fake punt for a touchdown, and that swung the momentum of the game. Once Mizzou got that, game changed. It was like Mizzou was like, oh, we can win this game. We can play with these guys. We can score. We can do stuff to move the ball. We can get touchdowns. We can play with them. So Mizzou then gets a 25-yard field goal after getting a stop. Then Mizzou gets an 18-yard touchdown pass to Theo Weiss Jr. Now they go up 17-14. Kentucky, Barryon Brown fumbles to start the second half. Mizzou recovers, leads to a 31-yard field goal. Then Mizzou, 46-yard field goal is blocked, which leads to a four-yard touchdown pass to Anthony Brown Stephens. Mizzou back down one. Kentucky's up one. But Mizzou said, all right, cool, no sweat. Answers with a one-yard Brady Cook touchdown run. And the two-point is good after defensive flags. So they go up 28 to 21. Kentucky was scoring no, score no more. Mizzou scores a 19-yard Cody Schrader touchdown run. Cody Schrader really got going late. He was bottled up throughout the majority of the – well, throughout the first half, really majority of the game. Got going late. Kentucky Devin Leary throws an interception, leads to a Mizzou punt. But then Devin Leary said, here you go, try again. Throws another interception, leads to a 29-yard field goal. And then Kentucky fourth and goal, turnover on downs. The pass is incomplete. I mean, it's complete, but it's short of a touchdown. Mizzou moves it out. Mizzou wins the game. Like I said, the punt, the fake punt touchdown really swung the momentum of the game. Mizzou offense woke up. The Mizzou team woke up. Defense got a stop. Offense went down and got a field goal. Then they went and got a touchdown. Then it, it just they started playing Ray Davis better. It just energized the team. It gave them the confidence that they needed to win the game. Shout out Mizzou now ranked one loss already bowl eligible in October. This Mizzou, man, again, I can't say enough apologies for y'all. I know I think I had y'all win the six or seven games. I really think it was six, maybe even five. But man, great season so far. And like y'all coach said, Eli Drinkwood said, why why stop now? Why not keep going? So shout out. Now, the last game I have for y'all tonight before we get into major performances is 18th ranked UCLA. At 15th ranked Oregon State, I did pick Oregon State to win this game. Better defense, more – no, I don't I keep – hate. I tried not to use the word veteran in college, but more veteran quarterback. Um, Better run game, I think, in my opinion. Just a better overall team. And Oregon State pulled out the dub. Oregon State was going to win it 38-6 to uh, 24. Now, this is what I wanted to talk about earlier. UCLA gets the ball first. And for the third game straight – Dante Moore starts the game with an interception. It's just like a, it's like a game day tradition. I'm going to get the ball, I'm going to throw a pick, and then we can play football. He throws a third straight game starting interception, leads to a 36-yard field goal. You can't do that against this Oregon State team. They're already a better team. Oregon State then gets a 43-yard field goal. It's next to possession. Dante Moore throws his second interception, leads to an Aiden Chillis 10-yard touchdown pass to Jack Villain. Now, DJ, you did get hurt. He did get hurt, but he did come back. Now, Dante, no, UCLA didn't answer with a 10-yard touchdown pass to Logan Lawyer. Um, Oregon State, Deshaun Fenwick fumbles, it leads to a UCLA 36-yard field goal. You know, Oregon State answers with a 26-yard field goal. Dante Moore then throws a pick six to Ryan Cooper for his third interception of the day. Talented, talented freshman quarterback has to cut the picks out. Probably will come with time. Has to cut them. UCLA then runs out the first half. To start the second half, both teams punt. Then Oregon State gets a 43-yard touchdown pass to Silas Bowden, but the two-point conversion is no good. UCLA answers with a nine-yard TJ Harden touchdown run, set up by a 28-yard Colin Shalee run. 
uh, the transfer from Kent State, Oregon State answers with a 32-yard Jack Belling uh, touchdown catch. I forgot the right touchdown. Set up by a 41-yard Jack Belling reception. UCLA answers with a seven-yard Carson Steele touchdown run. But then on their next drive, after two false starts, moving the ball, fourth and eight turns into fourth and 18, still have to go for it late in the game. Turnover on downs. Dante Moore is sacked, but it leads to an Oregon State punt. UCLA gets the ball, drives down again, but two sacks ruin a drive. Turnover on downs on fourth and 27. They only get a gain of three. Like I said, it's desperation at this time. Oregon State nails it out. The game is over. Oregon State wins. UCLA drops to 25, ranked 25 in the country. Now for UCLA, Dante Moore obviously has to stop the interceptions. Can't keep putting your team in holes to start the game. Yes, he threw three straight picks in three straight games. At least the last two haven't been pick sixes. If you want to look at any bright side of that, that's the bright side of it. Still can't start games with interceptions. For Oregon State, was able to run the ball. DJU was able to run and rely on the run instead of the play action. Um, which Oregon State wants to do. Silas Bowden got his explosive play, 43-yard touchdown catch. Um, UCLA, man, Chip Kelly, I don't know what really more to say. Really, it's really it's really Dante Moore with these interceptions, to be honest. Now, we're going to get into the last segment of the show. If you've been watching the show the whole time, I appreciate you. I appreciate y'all in the comments. But we just got to get through these major performances. And then I'll touch on an MSU game, the South Carolina game, briefly. And then I'm going to let y'all go watch our Sunday night football. Um, major performances. Got to start with the weekday games. Quentin Cooley of Liberty, 28 carries, 163 yards. Two touchdowns and the Liberty win over Jack State. Kelly Akari, who I thought would be a major performer, but not like this. Eight catches, 223 yards, two touchdowns, and the UTEP win over FIU. Diego Pavea, quarterback, New Mexico State, 20 of 36 for 286 yards, two touchdowns, 15 carries, 115 yards, and another touchdown on the ground, three total touchdowns. Over 400 total yards, New Mexico State quarterback. Then we have Malik Sharad, running back of Fresno State. 24 carries, 131 yards, three touchdowns with three catches and 35 for 35 yards. Then we have Alec Ayomaner, receiver from Stanford. 13 catches, 294 yards and three touchdowns, including the one to go in the double overtime. Then we have Ricky Pearsall, who killed my South Carolina Gamecocks. Wide receiver of Florida, 10 catches, 166 yards, and a game-winning touchdown against South Carolina. Got to go with his quarterback, Graham Mertz, who I've been killing, but he had a great game, 30 of 48, 423 yards, three touchdowns for Florida. Then we go to Keon Coleman, my guy, Florida State, nine catches for a buck 40 and a touchdown. Got to go to Tez Walker, wide receiver of North Carolina, Six catches, 132 yards, and three touchdowns. Have yourself a day. Have the hat trick in front of your family. And our last major performer, got to go with a defender. Got to go with a DB. I play corner. Xavier Watts, seven tackles, two interceptions, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Have yourself a day. Notre Dame defensive back with the major performance. Now, that is my major performance segment. You have any questions, any comments you want to nominate a guy? Just let me know in the comment section. Now I want to end it. I just got some brief final words with MSU. MSU, Caden Hauser, look phenomenal. But man, we cannot 
keep finding ways to lose games up 24 to 6 going into the fourth. And we found every way to lose that game. Drop the punt, led to a touchdown recovery. Then give up a long drive. Then we don't even recover. They kick the ball off to us and we don't get it. We lose the kickoff. Like it wasn't an onside kick and they recovered. They kicked it deep and they got the ball. Leads to a Calvin got touchdown. Found every way to shoot ourselves in the foot. We get one drive. Don't score. Punt it away and don't get the ball back with seven, eight minutes left in the game. Are we serious, MSU? Now for South Carolina, up 10. Well, up nine, excuse me. No, no, no. We were up 10 with nine minutes and some change left. Florida State has a fourth and 11. They throw a freaking pass to the flats at the line of scrimmage. All we got to do is tackle it up, and we pretty much put ourselves in cruise control. We miss the tackle. They go on and score a touchdown. We get the ball. Can't kill the clock. We just got to keep them out the end zone. They burn us down the field, and then we throw a pick to end the game. Like, my two college teams choke the games away, man. It sucks. College football is not my – it is not – it's not a, a good place for me this year. I got to wait for college basketball. MSU basketball is on the horizon. Can't wait. But that's it for y'all. That's all I have for y'all today. It's another, I know, it's an hour 15. You're like, that's it, man. I can't even remember. about time. I will see y'all tomorrow to preview the Tuesday and the Wednesday games coming up. I may even just do the weekday games and just leave y'all Wednesday with the Saturday games. But that's all I have for y'all today. Y'all enjoy the rest of the Sunday night football, and I will catch y'all Monday. Peace. Thank you for staying to the end. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like this video, subscribe, and also hit that notification button so you can be notified next time we put out a video. If you're listening on any podcast platform, subscribe and hit that notification button, y'all, so you can be notified we put out another podcast audio. And last but not least, hit that share button. No matter what you're listening to or, or watching it, hit that share button and send it to somebody that you know that would love to watch this episode you just listened to. So once again, thank you for staying to the end, and we'll see y'all the next episode.